0: Ah, the sweet sounds of Millie Vanilli, Rob, and Fab. Two dudes, Which one with Pete Two dudes with dreadlocks that could not actually sing, but, man, they could dance. Hey, man.
1: Two-step works with everything, Jay. You
0: know what that means. That means we get to hear from our boy Pete Haley via the BeckQL QL guest line. Pete joins us from NBC Sports Washington, the Washington Football Talk podcast. Pedro, what up, man? How you doing, buddy?
2: Afternoon, JP. Afternoon, Brian Keith Mitchell. What up, Peter? Hello. Yeah. I say, I I say what's up, both. Peter? <laughs> I'm just hanging out in my bedroom talking with uh, one of the better radio shows around the you, country. Can
1: you go to another room? We don't want to talk to you in your bedroom.
2: Uh, no, this is actually where I like to do my radio hits. I have a nice view of my uh, apartment building's courtyard and I don't have to wear any pants. So it's actually where I'm most comfortable. Uh, that's what we were all hoping
0: to tell us. Yeah, we were hoping us.
1: to hear are you. We were um, talking about not wearing pants. That's let's,
0: uh, let's move on from your pants and uh, let's try to focus on some football here. Um, the Commanders for the second straight season and, hell, I don't even want to count how many seasons it's been since they actually won a playoff game. But for the second straight season, the, the second of three years for Ron Rivera, they're out of the playoffs. Um, Brian and I had a fairly specific, but a, a broad specifics to borrow a, a general specifics, to borrow a phrase from Michael Scott. Our, our, our measuring stick for a successful season this year was to win a playoff game. However, that arrived, that was what we needed to mark this a successful season for the Commanders. What do you make of this season for the Commanders?
2: It's not successful. There have been successful individual stories, such as the defensive line waking up and dominating for most of the year. Although I think all these snaps that Allen and Payne have had to play have impacted uh, some of their performance recently. I think the receivers look really good. The running backs have some depth, Jamin Davis, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact that there are only individual stories and, and Ron has to point to us trending in the right direction as opposed to us being in a different spot, being in the right spot instead of on the way to that spot is disheartening. Um, seven wins, seven wins, and then seven or eight wins in three years is, is suggesting that this team is in no better position than it was under Jay Grew. And Ron's winning percentage is a tick better than Jay's. He's more eloquent. He's done a really good job with the off-field distractions, of which there are thousands. But he is a football coach first and foremost, and he's not making the football team better. And he's had injuries here and there, but he's also had weak divisions, weak conferences, and plenty of chances to assemble a roster that he believes is best, and through three years and uh Fifty-some games, he has not gotten this franchise any closer to his goal of building a Super Bowl winner, which is what he said he wanted to do when he was introduced as head coach. Well, he's
1: talking about they need to find quarterback uh, one again, and uh, when I look hear that, that means that the people they have they're not happy with. Only one guy we don't know about. How do you think uh, this this game should be approached with that position?
2: It it should be Sam Howell, and I understand that. Maybe the practices that we aren't able to watch, Sam maybe looks still behind. But when we see him, he throws the ball well. When we saw him in preseason, he was creative. He came up with big plays. And granted, that third-string defense he's playing in the Baltimore game is completely uh, inept compared to what he'll face with a full-strength Cowboys team. But Sam Howell needs to play unless he is incapable of tying his shoes and figuring out which hand to throw the football with. There's no point and Carson Wentz being anywhere near the huddle, Taylor Heineke, it'd be great to see him maybe run around one more time if he's going to be a free agent and move away, but he's not a part of the future plans or at least the future QB1 plans. And I would hesitate to put much stock in this performance one way or the other for Hal, whether it's great or whether it's awful, but they need to at least get the first data point in his growth. He's been able to sit and watch for months and months and learn and they say they like his preparation they like his seriousness well now it's time to see what he can do and I don't know I was thinking about this like I know Ron says they want to play to win I don't know if I would even put guys like Terry McLaurin out there or John Dotson and I know you need to field a roster to uh, play a game and if De'Ami Brown gets hurt what receiver is going to fill in behind him you only have so many bodies but like screw playing to win Put Sam Howell back there with a offensive line that's assembled as best you can, but all the other pieces that you know are very precious to your future. I don't need to see him out there in case they turn an ankle or hurt their knee. It's just not worth it. But Howell needs to be the quarterback, that's for sure. So,
0: you, I mean, I get resting guys that are dealing with injuries. You just
2: don't want to play anybody? No, because they're probably not going to win this game. Um, but, like, it's not like Terry has some – franchise record he wants to be it's not like we need to see more from Jahan dobson and again this isn't just like madden where you can unplug and then take all the important guys out and just southern some player with like no no face on his player card and just get through the game but like it just it, with there's it, it's got to be like a delicate tanking honestly a win again as unlikely as it is would not be good for this franchise it would affect their draft position the negative way and exposing uh, Terry McLaurin to Micah Parsons or exposing uh, Chase Young to a Cowboys offensive lineman probably just isn't that smart, and I don't expect Ron to do that. I think he's serious when he says he wants to win, and maybe he'll play them for a half, and then you pull guys out and let Cam Sims get some work and let Jeremy Reeves and Percy Butler play at safety, but like, I just I just don't think there's much point in rolling out your stars, and maybe DeMitch hates that because uh, he's a, he's been a player who wants to play in every game, and I'm sure Terry would hate that too, but sometimes you just got to Take control and do what's best for the long-term view. When this game really is meaningless from basically every way you look at it, every
1: situation is not going to be a perfect situation. And I think just because things aren't perfect doesn't mean that you just say hell to hell with it. How many positions, if they were to win a game or lose a game, with a draft pick move,
0: it's hard to say. But there's yeah, there's seven, eight, and one. I mean, there are one, two, three, four. There's six teams all at seven wins, like. I get the draft position conversation a few years ago when it was them and the Giants and they called it the chase young bowl because the loser got the second pick and the winner got to like fifth or sixth, mm-hmm. where I think um, that I, I get, but you're talking about 15 to maybe 13 to 17. I, I don't know about draft position at this point. And, but dude, here's the other fallacy. They played the Cowboys week four and Got smoked, and they played whoever they had. So, like putting Chase Young and Terry McLaurin on the field hardly guarantees a win.
2: I know, but it, it at least exposes them. Didn't to they have an an a backup
1: quarterback in Week One? I, whenever they play, the I don't two?
0: think you should play Chase this week. Like he's come back, he showed you the progress. He's still working his way back. I wouldn't play Chase this week, but I don't know about benching everybody because you still got to play people. You
1: only get to. After saying that, I was always thinking about win. I'm always trying to win. You cannot go out there and, and take everybody off the field, But that that proves totally against what you just used as an excuse as to why you didn't know something.
2: Ron, I think in your interview, JP with him, or uh, in the in the podium, talks about how he's going to use this as an evaluation game. Well, what more evaluating do you need to do with McLaurin, with uh, Brian Robinson, with players like that? You I think need Robinson's to evaluate. Heard. You wait, need wait, to evaluate I, Percy Butler. You need to evaluate Christian Holmes. This is treat this as a preseason game. Like But how can you, But this Ron's is the thing not I'm saying, what he
1: should. But think about it though, Pete. I mean, I understand the I understand the concept. But if I'm evaluating players and I'm putting them out there with below average players against people starter, how the hell am I evaluating them? how, how is that a fair evaluation?
2: It, it fair or not, they need to play. Like Deron Payne, get him out of there and see what Shaka Tony and these guys can do draft picks that are that you have to decide that you've made picks on a couple of years ago who are entering like the third or fourth year of their career. And you need to see if they're worth a second contract, however cheap it is, or if they need to be cut so you can figure out like the team's issue, be and I think you'd agree is the depth. The starters are all fine to pretty good. There are some areas that need to be shored up, but the depth we have no idea. And when Ron continues to cite injuries as a reason why his team isn't working. Yes. That is a valid excuse on its own, but it is annoying to hear. And the reason the injuries are so devastating is because the guys behind them step in and don't play that well. So now's a chance to see which guys can actually play well versus which guys are just eating up a roster spot and need to be moved on from so you can go about shoring up the second and third lines of your depth chart. Again, I don't expect Ron to do it, and I don't think the players would like it, but this is how it should be handled, in my opinion.
1: I understand that. I just said...
2: but I think the, you're going a little too far. Every
1: year, every year, Ron chooses this whole football team. And we've seen guys get released and people that were kept that shouldn't be on the football team. So if the depth doesn't work, maybe the concept of getting people that are going to be choir boys and never, ever challenge people need to go out the window. You start getting you some better football players. That might occasionally say, Hey, we don't need to do that. We need to do something else. That's where the problem comes. It's not about, you know, the depth doesn't work. You choose the wrong damn people.
2: Right, and and whatever happens on Sunday is not going to improve the long-term outlook of this team. And as soon as that game ends, it's going to basically be forgotten and deleted from all our memories because there's far more pressing issues. And yeah, I I understand there's no good way to attack it, whether it's McLaurin or whether it's Camp Sims. The real issue is the ownership dilemma, and it's Ron and the coaching staff. And whatever occurs at FedEx Field is probably just going to be a miserable afternoon one way or the other. So (laughs) I think we're all just trying to get through this final game and have something to discuss when in reality we're all ready for Monday and Locker clean out and to move on to grander things such as the future of Rivera and other important decisions. I was
1: really ready for some more games, you know, more checks. That's what I was ready for. (laughs) Playoff football, man. Playoff football is cool and fun.
0: Um, I'm talking with Pete Haley from NBC Sports, Washington, who apparently just just doesn't even want to play on Sunday and just fold the whole thing. Hey, just write um, it in, Pete. I, I At some point, you got to have somebody out there. This was kind of my argument when folks said, oh, it'll be easy to beat the Cowboys in Week 18. Like, the way NFL rosters are structured, someone has to be on the field. You can't bench everybody.
1: Would have 47 people? Right.
0: And, like, you're not going to put 10 dudes on IR and sign them. Like, maybe they bring up some practice squatters and give some guys some opportunities, but you're still going to have people on the field. Like, I'm trying to think of who is—is is anybody completely locked into their playoff spot at this point? There's so much up in the air. But like, the the Vikings, for example, they're still going to have to play their guys because you can only bench so many people. Um, who cares though? It's just—it's a relatively silly circular argument. Um, week 13, this team was seven and five. Week 18, they're seven, eight, and one. What do
2: you attribute
0: the collapse to?
2: There are definitely uh, like football like strategy and roster reasons with Heineke turning the ball over and the defense not generating turnovers enough. Um, this team, when it had Derek Forrest and, and those guys stripping footballs and picking passes off, Kendall Fuller, et cetera, like, that made a big difference. That allowed this team to have more of a margin for error. I think, like I said, the D-line, while Dron Payne still has generated sacks, I think the overall impact of the D-line has been minimized a bit down the stretch here by the Giants going with a quick passing game and the Niners having a really good offensive line. Like We haven't seen the pressure, the overwhelming pressure as much, and that's then let the secondary be hung out to drive it. But overall, aside from those minute week-to-week shifts, I just think it's this team ran really hot and caught a lot of breaks and then the fortunes just reversed, and it, and it bared out to be the average football team. And I, during that win streak, really thought, okay, they found a sustainable way. It's not the prettiest way, and it's not the most uh, you know comfortable way, but they can run, they can dominate on defense, and they can win in the fourth quarter. But when you push things to the fourth quarter and to the fate of one or two possessions, and you need the referees to make the right calls, and you need the catches to be made instead of drop, like, when those little 50-50 things go the other way, it's going to drastically change the outcome of the game. So um, I just think it was a, a football team that is in the middle of the pack returning to the middle of the pack. And as simple as that sounds, I really do believe that's what's happened.
1: What are you looking for, though, in this last game? Since You, know, you don't want anybody to play, but what are you looking for that we can leave? I mean, people talk about leaving a season, going into the offseason to take something with you. What can we take from this game that's going to make us feel better?
2: If you want, like, I could sit here and try and dress up as Sam Howell take. Yeah, there's nothing, Brian. There really is nothing. No matter what takes place, they could win 40 to nothing. They could lose 100 to nothing. It could be an empty stadium. It could be filled with Cowboys fans, or the the Commanders fans could show out, turn away all the Dallas supporters. None of it matters because we're all still going to be wondering what Ron's fate is. There's going to be no quarterback starting-wise. That gives you confidence for next season. And the players that you like will be here, but there's still many more gaps to fill and uh, yeah, so I, instead of dancing around this question anymore, I'm just going to answer nothing. I'm looking for nothing. I'm looking for zeros on the game clock, and I'm looking for locker cleanouts out to occur on Monday.
0: I, I don't think it's as simple as that, but I, I suppose I appreciate your candor. Um, so what do you want to happen then? So Monday comes, everybody cleans out their locker. Obviously, the ownership stuff leaves everything dramatically up in the air. We've all been pointing that out, but... If you could remake this thing, what would you what would you do?
2: I, I respect Ron as a person. I don't think he doesn't care. I don't think he's dumb. I don't think he's like an active uh, you know huge minus on this team. He's not an Urban Meyer. He's not just a joke of head coach. But I think the record that he's had both in Washington and for the second half of his tenure in Carolina shows that he is not someone who can elevate a team. He can keep them afloat. He can he can maybe have these spurts, but he's not a winning head coach. So I'd make a change at head coach and it's tough when you go from the coach centric structure, then maybe you want just a GM and a regular structure and then you flip flop. It's the same thing. Like at college basketball, you want a guy who's a really good recruiter. Oh, actually let's get a guy who's really good at coaching. But I think I would just return it to a normal thing. You get an offensive minded head coach. You let your defensive coordinator, uh, maybe it's Del Rio or maybe you blow up the whole thing, even though Del Rio's done a good job. And you have a new GM and you start over the timeline and that's exhausting to think about. But if this coaching staff finds a quarterback in the draft that they like, but then the coaching staff gets fired next year because there's a new owner, that's going to then harm that quarterback. So I think you, you figure things out and you start from square one yet again, and fans will be tired and they'll be exhausted and they'll lose another wave of, of diehards. But I think that's how it needs to go. This is not going anywhere uh, impressive. This maybe gets a little bit better, but I think uh, you have some good core players, but you need someone else in charge of coaching those players and you need someone else in charge of finding more of those players.
1: I, I just think like when uh, a lot of times when a person, if they could come up with an agreement as to who's going to buy this team, just like when I, I remember in 1999, Dan hadn't really completely finished his purchase. But he he and Vinny were around all the time. And they were there with John King Cook. So they were having some saying as st- asking what things were happening moving forward. What if they were to come to an agreement before the, the year ends? And that new owner said, I want to hire a general manager because I believe that you have to go and do it the right way. A general manager comes in and, house, and, and drafts a quarterback. That general manager is drafting a quarterback that the franchise loves, not mm-hmm. a certain coach. And, and I think what we have to do with this franchise moving forward, I've seen the Ravens, the Steelers. You know, you see teams of that nature that they are normally good most times. Why? Because they keep the same type of coach, so they don't have to Strong change. They don't have to change yeah. their players. Because the coaches that come in are always different. So you get a certain mindset of what your franchise wants to be. Hire that general manager, and everybody you hire from that point on is going to fit what that is. Once that general manager's done, you find one just like him. And you did, because like we, we every year we hear the coach come in. Well, you know, we want to run a 3-4, but we run a 4-3, so we got to get the 4-3 personnel. Why Why do they do that? Because it keeps him around a long time. If you start doing the same things, then guess what? I could judge you much, much quicker because the players that you're looking for will be there already.
2: You've said it really well, yeah, and that's why a new owner would be great because you can then start from the top down. The owner gets the GM, GM gets the coach, then the GM and the coach get the quarterback and the other pieces, and you're able to have this unified vision instead of, okay, here's Ron, he starts off. The year after that, he brings in Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney. But those guys are kind of behind. They have to fall in line. They were hired by Ron. They have to kind of listen to him. No, uh, it, it just doesn't work when you try to take out one piece and put in another. Everyone's timelines are mismatched, and it and it's, it's hasn't bore any fruit. So I think as best as this team can, it needs to not be treated like an expansion team, but how an expansion team starts completely fresh. And there are some good players here. I believe that. I know the record hasn't shown it, but the D-line, the receivers, the running backs, uh, the tight ends are young and exciting. The secondary has some guys. There is bones here to work with, but the, the outside structure of of the front office is not winning class, and uh, hopefully this year is the year it can really be the reset button, not just blanced, but full-on smashed into the control panel.
0: So I just got this tweet from Taylor344, Tom 344 He says, I absolutely hate Pete's take as a fan. Give me something for the last football. I'll get to watch my team play for another year. I, I get Taylor's point. Like, yeah, what you, what you are saying is wildly negative. I, here's what I want to ask you: if, if if you're approaching this with like the the nihilistic viewpoint that nothing matters and that it's all irrelevant, what are you going to write about for the next month? Like, like what like what happens next
2: if if there's nothing to care about? It's not nothing to care about in the next couple months because there's a ton to care about, but this game specifically, and yes, it's really a sterile, heartless way to look at it. Like, this is the final game the Commanders will play until next September, and that sucks, and I'm going to miss going to that stadium, even though going to that stadium this weekend won't be that fun. So I get people like Taylor who just want to show up and cheer and watch a couple more touchdowns. Um, In terms of what we're going to write about, like, it's it's all speculation and, and where this team can get better. But this week at the park, it's not going to be hard in the way that going to other jobs is difficult where you actually have to really do uh, very important work and scientists and, and policemen and et cetera, like going to the park and talking to football players is pretty easy, but yeah, previewing this game, I don't think there's much reason getting Ron to talk about uh, his special teams and this and that. It's it's, we're just going to kind of be going through the motions because it's a, it's a big charade and this game doesn't impact uh, the long-term future. And unless Sam Howell, dices up the Cowboys for six touchdowns even then it's going to be like well did that really matter it was one game so I'm sorry to Taylor and those who feel that way this is a very like Twitter way to view things and a and a who cares let's let's blow it all up I don't like tanking in that way but I think for this week when it's clear that this four quarters doesn't really uh have any meaningful uh, outcomes or, or ways to change the direction of the team lean into it uh burn it all down and uh let's get through it together
0: Landfill, let's uh let's schedule Pete for a thirty minute segment next next week, uh, at the bottom half of the hour, so that we have shorter version of the, uh, the the sky is falling rather than a full twenty two. Put uh, him at 45? Yeah, right. Yeah,
1: Maybe yeah. it's a forty five oh, next oh, week.
2: Oh, you guys are having so much fun previewing this game all week, right? You guys well, are looking forward to it ain't the previewing the, the, the game, world. but
1: I still want to. Whoever plays and. The guys that look, I didn't give a damn. We were out of it or in it. I'm still playing. Why? Because I always have something to prove to myself. Well, and I think, yeah. I think for your mindset
0: and for people, it is a fairly Twitter mindset because it's not. There's a lack of context there. Bench everybody. B and I were talking about this earlier. If there's 53 on that roster, add another 10, whatever it is, 12 for practice squad. This game absolutely matters to 80 percent of that team. They have to put good tape out there. Otherwise, they're out of a job. Good teams cut yeah. good players. Bad teams cut bad players. Like, th- this game, like, the, the idea that this is completely irrelevant in every sense of the word is not fair to the bulk of the dudes on the field. And, and I think I try to frame my conversations about it with that in mind. Like, the, the, the fourth corner and the third linebacker and... Whoever we see at O-line, like those dudes are fighting for jobs, whether it's here or somewhere else. So to them, it very much matters.
2: Yeah, well then let let Dax Milne and De'Ami Brown fight for jobs. Give De'Ami Brown 15 targets because he doesn't play very much around these top three receivers. Let him be the number one. And if he can do something, then great. He's worth keeping around. But if he's not, then they need to find a new fourth receiver. Cam Sims, he only has like eight catches this year. Can he go get jump ball in the end zone? Can Armani Rogers, how does he handle a full game at tight end? That matters for them. And I hope they have an amazing Sunday. And I really do appreciate the sacrifices they've made. Being a back end of the roster guy is not easy. And I'm not answering about this game for them. I'm just thinking about it as an analyst and as a reporter, what matters as this team's full-on future, this game really doesn't matter. But, of course, for those guys, it does. And I hope they have the most uh, career-explosive game of their lives and they can convince this team to keep them around. But that's not my job. That's not what I'm focused on. Everybody's got to focus on their own thing.
1: Frank just hit me and say you don't have to go to work on uh, Sunday. They're going to see if somebody else can do it. Talk to you later, (laughs) Pete. We got (laughs) to run.
2: We got to run.
0: Uh, that's Pete Hale. You can give him a follow. Let's open the phones on that because that is fairly interesting. Do you want to see nothing? Do you want them to just bench everybody? Do you, what, how do you want them to approach this week's game? We're playing Dallas. Think about like that. 800-636-1067. 800-636-1067. It's B. Mitchell Finley. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.